Welcome to Rooted, the Dallas Farmers Market podcast where we share stories of our local farmers, ranchers, artisans, and craftsmen. If you're looking to grow your connection to the food you eat and the makers you support, you can plant your roots here. Good morning, Savannah. Hey Meg, welcome to Rooted, the Dallas Farmers Market podcast. Um, So our episode today, we're going to talk about seasonality and what kind of food we have available and how we can work within that to actually create really cool flavors. Um, And then we're also going to talk a little bit uh, as we go through the season about local flavors, like what makes the food in Texas and even in Dallas unique. Um, And then talk about ways that we can use that produce to preserve it longer, reduce our food waste through like canning and fermentation. And then I want to talk a little bit about the interesting way that things that used to be kind of commonplace were, uh, we're starting to see them as gourmet. So like even though in the past everybody might have had beans growing in their backyard, now we find those things to be really special to have. So how did that transition happen and how do we take advantage of it? Yeah, so we're getting a little more local. We started like global of markets in general mm-hmm. and now we're getting real specific. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So for seasonality here in Texas, you have come up with the great title, Yes, We Have No Bananas. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, tribute to a great old song, Yes, We Have No Bananas. That's how you sell it. (laughs) What a deep pull for an old song, that real popular old song, Yes, We Have (laughs) No Bananas. We all know it. Yeah, so yeah, seasonality is something that's hard for a lot of us to wrap our head around because we are so used to having the immediate access. We go into the grocery store and it's just lined with everything you could see from all around the world and we have it immediately. Right, like you can get strawberries year round and I think we all know that there's like a certain point of the year that strawberries taste better because it's actually strawberry season, but like that doesn't stop me from buying strawberries whenever I darn well please. (laughs) Right, yeah, in December you'll eat those tasteless little blobs, it's great. No, but really uh, seasonality is right now it's more about embracing that really delicious flavor and taking advantage of what there is growing locally because you really can't get those kind of flavors outside of the season. And so, yeah, the yes, we have no bananas is we're accepting that even though we're eating seasonally, that means we're going to not have some things all of the time. So when you come to the farmer's market, you're not going to see bananas unless we happen to have a South Texas farmer here during the winter who happens to have some bananas with them. But that's going to happen one time a year. <laughs> um, the rest of the time, we can focus, though, on enjoying the things that are in season. That is exciting. <laughs> and um, greens. That's one thing that people come to the farmer's market wanting all year round is leafy greens of all kinds. Um, and they're just not here all year. But they're really here most of the year. But that real hot weather, it kills the darlings of the farmer's market. Yeah, you get to August and your greens are struggling. So we can look forward to the end of September and the beginning of October. I mean, you're going to have all the greens you want for quite some time. Um, But yeah, so some people though might wonder like why would you want to eat seasonal right so like to you what do you think with like seasonality why would why do you like it yeah because i think people tend to think of it as like limiting themselves you know like why would i want to limit my availability when i could have everything under the sun but for us at the farmer's market when you are supporting local you are by like definition supporting seasonality because Mm -hmm. when you're choosing to support someone locally in your community above convenience then 
you are only, those are really your only options. Um, so I think it's a cool thing of seasonality too when you talk about like getting excited for, a se for what's in season. So like I'm a huge fan of peach season. It's a well-known fact about me and my overabundance love of peaches, but it's a short, it's a short season. Um, but during that season, you eat all the peaches you can at least two a day. I mean, you have to have one like with your morning breakfast and then probably one after dinner as a snack. But then you also move into like what you're talking about, about preserving them longer when you buy them fresh, you freeze them, you start putting them in your smoothies in the winter. Um, so you get to keep that little summer, bit of summer sweetness all year round. True, yeah, during peach season, I mean, honestly, I didn't wanna see another single peach. And <laughs> our peach farmers at the end of every weekend were just trying to hand me more bags of peaches. Yeah, you're like, no, please don't. I can't handle it. So I've got lots of frozen peaches right now, and I'm excited. I know once it's, you know, the dead of winter, December, I'm gonna pull some of those summer peaches out of my freezer and just be overjoyed that they exist, yeah. and I'll remember warmer times. <laughs> But <laughs> right now, but in the moment, soon. sometimes you get worn out, but that's okay. Yeah. That's the thing about it. It's like you can't wait until that next juicy peach is here. Then once it comes, you enjoy it. You make all of the seasonal yummy things, save some of it for later, and then go for the next thing that's yeah. coming in. We were just talking about yesterday with our garden that we were so sick of growing okra and I were about to start planting for fall and I said, I can't wait to find out what we're gonna be so sick of in fall. We know it'll be Swiss chard. There's <laughs> no questions about that. <laughs> yeah, so, but part of the focusing on eating seasonally is the support of the local farmers because when we are focused on supporting local farmers there's only certain things that they're going to be able to bring us and so if we kind of all you know abandon ship after the yummy blueberries and uh, strawberries are gone the rest of the year has some really awesome flavors to offer but if we kind of are only looking for the fun highlights then we don't get to fully support those farmers and make their farm a sustainable thing to keep going and that's kind of where we look at like the bigger picture of food transportation around the world right now. The food that we get comes from all over the place. And sometimes that competition can be a little detrimental to our local farmers because some of the prices that you get from um, other countries when they're imported can be a lot lower than what a farmer can actually afford to match. But if you get it seasonally, usually the price can be pretty comparable. So like for figs, we just started selling figs and mm -hmm. um, those are something that a lot of people love, that a lot of people are looking for and that you were like, oh, these are actually like a really similar price right now than what you mm -hmm. could get at a grocery store, but that's only because they're in season as opposed to when you're importing something from across the world out of season that's grown tropically mm -hmm. is what you're saying. It's gonna be just, it's a different price in general. Yeah, yeah. But so the figs right now are going to be similarly priced. So if you go to Whole Foods and you see some organically grown figs from California or wherever else, it's going to be priced right around the same as what you're going to get from a local farmer who's got some figs that they're bringing seasonally. This may not be a question you can answer, but <laughs> when we talk about like, and we import a lot of produce, mm -hmm. but when we're talking about locally grown versus even something in California, because mm -hmm. we're such a large country, is California kind of like the same thing as importing because of just distance traveled and transportation costs or is... Yeah, it depends on what you're looking at. Like what aspect of agriculture you're concerned with. So mm -hmm. usually it's a mixture of things. So things that are grown in California are gonna be 
inspected by the USDA, are going to follow the same um, practices and standards as any other farm in the U.S. So that's a good thing because we want to make sure that the people who are growing our food are using um, good agricultural practices, which is actually, a, it's called the GAP. Good agricultural practices is a standard. GAP certified. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So you want to be sure that you know, where your food's coming from is a good place. And we can't always be certain of that when things are imported from other places. A lot of the times the conditions for workers are not as good. And even in the U.S., there are definitely some places that could use a lot of improvement for the human rights aspects of the farmer, the worker um, who's taking care of the crops. Um, but yeah, when you're importing things from California, so one standard that you're looking at is the conditions for the worker, but another is just the distance in general. So you're gonna still have a longer time that it takes for that food to get from California to the grocery store um, or wherever else you're buying your food because it's gonna have the shipping transportation that takes several days or you know maybe a week or more. Um, and you're also gonna have those the greenhouse gas emissions that are associated with that transportation. So those are all things that you can look at. Um, and in all of those, usually buying locally and buying from a small farmer, those are going to be a lot higher quality standards that are being met in all of those regards. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when we're talking about um, eating seasonally, we're kind of avoiding that, all those factors that I'm talking about, like the greenhouse emissions, the far travel of the produce and the conditions of the workers. Like, we're circumventing that by going straight to the farmer that we know and we don't have to really worry about whether or not they're treating their brother great because they're just a small family farm. I mean, ideally, they should be really nice to their brother, but you never know. Um, but in terms of grand scale, <laughs> right, human rights. Right, you can take that up with the farmer. Um, but we end up with a more fresh product and you end up with a healthier um, economy because you're supporting your local farmer, you're supporting your local small businesses. I mean, farms are small businesses in every regard. I mean, farmers are some of the greatest entrepreneurs I've ever met. <laughs> so when you're supporting these local businesses, you are creating a stronger economy and a better close-knit community. And then you're also having like a greater food system um, reliance, I guess, in the terms that like we talked about when the pandemic hit, that there were some concerns on like how is this going to affect for like distribution chains? Like if we're importing everything and then people there are getting sick, not able to get their produce here, and then we're not able to distribute it, like where does our food come from in those regards? Mm -hmm. And so having we talked about in our last season those different levels of where you're getting your food from. So a small farm may not be able to provide for the entire DFW Metroplex, but they can provide for people in their direct community and use CSAs and other ways of having a consistent stream of produce out into the general public. Yeah, a lot of farmers definitely see their food as part of national security. Um, no matter what happens in the world around us, as long as our farmers that are local can keep growing and feeding the community, then we've got something to eat. And I mean, that's another reason why backyard gardens are becoming so popular is because people value that access and security of having the food so close by. Um, but yeah, I've, 
we have a lot of farmers at the farmer's market that we can look forward to seeing, you know, one time a year for our seasonal favorites. I mean, I think a lot of people um, have kind of this distorted vision of what a seasonal favorite would be. Like, it's something that they're sick of because it comes out three months before it should. Yeah, exactly. Like the pumpkin spice. I mean, I hate to even right. really bring it up, but everybody gets so excited about that. And it seems to be like the only thing that we... We've, it's ubiquitous with fall now. Like there is one fall thing and it is pumpkin spice and there's nothing else. Right, right. Yeah. Forget the apple cider. Yeah. We're all, yeah, <laughs> yeah we're all on board with the pumpkin spice apparently. But I mean, that's kind of the commercialized idea of what seasonal eating is. Yeah. Kohlrabi um, isn't making it on the commercialized scale. Yeah. Unfortunately <laughs> not. No. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. If we can take that commercialized idea and that excitement, I mean, we really do feel that when we get excited about the fact that pumpkins, actual real grown in the ground pumpkins are coming to the market, uh, you know, not just a flavoring, but we get excited that we're going to make our pumpkin pies and we're going to make our pumpkin loaf or whatever with stuffed pumpkin. We will try just about anything because there's so many of them. And we have, um, you know, I just remember that we made like an, was it an acorn squash pie? what we made last year. So <laughs> I took like eight different kinds of pumpkins, um, which you may not even know that there are eight different kinds of pumpkins, but that's like Cinderella, acorn, delicata, everything <laughs> in between. And, um, and we found that pie pumpkins as they are aptly named are the most delicious. Indeed. Yes. If you would like to make a pie, I do recommend the pie pumpkin. <laughs> But just about any of the other pumpkins. Acorn was the only one that really shouldn't have been made a pie. I don't know. Spaghetti squash was a weird one. Oh, spaghetti. Oh, well, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Spaghetti squash probably was the worst. Bit of so. a stringy texture on yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we gave it a try. And that's we the are point. committed to seasonality is what we're saying. By the way, you can look on the Dallas Farmer's Market website and see our previous recipes. And you'll find pictures of our pies and recipes that we used to make those. So if you want to make some pumpkin pies... Um, Check that out and try our recommendations on the different types. And Savannah will never make another pumpkin pie after making that many in one day. <laughs> yeah, that was plenty. We'll <laughs> do sweet potato pie only from now on. <laughs> but yeah, there are a lot of specialty crops like that and uh, vendors who bring them in that we only see once a year. So that's an exciting thing as you get to know the, the community. There are people who come back every year looking for like Winona Orchard. Yes, and that's also fun because they're coming. Yeah, it's both building a local food system, but also just like a community in general, where these are people who never would have met people from Dallas and then from Winona, Texas, which mm -hmm. people is, it's not a, not a metropolis of the state. Uh, it's a little <laughs> small town, um, but that they're able to build those inroads and connections and then also get excited about um, other crops and other farmers at the farmer's market. People might come just because they want peaches, mm -hmm. but then they're able to be introduced to like, all of our other farmers or our ranchers um, mm -hmm. and be able to build a community that way as well. Yeah, and as those seasonal items come in, we try to help encourage people to learn more about that product. We have um, recipes and education opportunities for um, you know, some of the more like, some of the bigger focus days would be like watermelon day mm -hmm. and peach day because we all know those pretty well. But we like to highlight- The little guys. The little guys, yeah. Yeah, and then we also have vendors who may not be farmers, but are still using locally grown produce or um, 
things from our farmers and ranchers to create special items. So like this past pepper, you had the very delicious Truvy cookie ice cream sandwich made from hatch pepper ice cream. It was, but then with snickerdoodle it's, it's cookies. It's more extreme than this, Meg. It's hatch pepper butterscotch ice cream right. sandwich between two snickerdoodle cookies. Now I'm not saying that that's what a farmer's market really needs to highlight as a um, healthy option. Or but if you're looking for unique. <laughs> or just delicious. I did tell Josh of Truvy Cookies. I was like, you've gone too far. And he was like, I promise you it's delicious. And he, <laughs> and he promised and he delivered. They have never steered us wrong on their abominations. Is that the right word? Of <laughs> cookie ice cream sandwich making. Yeah, I'm a, but, I'm a sweet and spicy kind of person anyway. So I was on board with the hatch pepper butterscotch. That was delicious. So good job, guys. Um, but yeah, that's what that's what seasonal produce is all about. You have so much of this product right now that you don't you don't even know what to do with all the peppers you have to put in an ice cream. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> that is how I mean we should have done it with our okra. No, no. that's where I draw the line. No okra ice cream guys. Sorry, you'll have to go to a different farmer's market for that one. <laughs> but yeah, seasonality is fun in those ways because it does it force when you're cooking seasonally, I like to think of that as like a fun challenge. I think that's part of what I enjoy. But yeah, as, uh, as we become more comfortable with this seasonal eating, and I hope that Dallas does embrace it more, but there are so many things that create kind of like a local feel that like is unique to our area. So like one thing that I've always been surprised because I'm from Georgia. And so when I came to Texas and saw that there are prickly pears just everywhere, like it blew my mind. And the fact that people aren't just like running out down the sidewalk picking prickly pears when they're in season is crazy. So they're, yeah. So if you're, if you don't know what a prickly pear is or didn't realize that they're growing everywhere, then the next time you're driving down the street and you see a big flat paddled cactus and it's got those pink bulbs on it, the pink bulb is a ripe prickly pear. Yes, and if you were a child who then picked them and then got your fingers stuck, prickly pears are prickly because they still got little stickers on them. They do have little stickers, so you're going to need gloves, tongs, but you can get those guys, burn off the stickers, and then you can create purees with them. I mean, prickly pear jam is just pretty darn good. Yeah, that's a super cool local product that as people become more used to seasonal eating, I hope people get excited you about know, that this is just a side note but i do feel like the ultimate texas is first of all having a fruit that you have to burn to eat but then <laughs> secondly is why aren't we making like prickly pear um like marinades for our meats because that would just be the most texan thing slap some prickly pear on a steak you heard it here first folks that's meg's marinades all right <laughs> so <laughs> that's a great idea i know we gotta get you're right we have to get people more excited about prickly pear <laughs> i think part of it is we do overlook what we have in you know scale or we kind of throw away what we have in terms of going for the new exciting things and then also there is like just a lack of education on what to do with what's local because i feel like when you're especially now when we have such access to information and i was talking about this with people's ideas of seasonality i think part of what makes it confusing is that a lot of re like blogs and recipes and social media or even just like film and tv shows are coming out of the northeast and I think we as a country or globe think about what's in season as the Northeast. Like right now we read, Savannah and I both read a magazine and, um, and we both follow and it was talking about a woman in the Northeast saying that all, all of the berries are in season right now together. 
like right now. And I was like, oh, fairy season for us was like gone. Early like, May. <laughs> early May and gone. But it's just now getting hot enough. And then they get all of their berries at one time, which mm -hmm. is kind of hard for us to do here in Texas. And I was like, in my brain, yeah, all berries come in August because that's like when you read children's books and when you mm -hmm. watch a movie, like it's all right there. But in reality of where we live, that's not the case. But like, I have never seen a prickly pear or how to use it just like casually thrown out. I think that's something that I would have to like search for. And then when you get into other like climates, like desert climates, I mean, Arizona and New Mexico, like they have their a whole different issue of their local yeah, eating. But that's the opportunity to learn more about where you're at. You're, you're planting those roots, getting to know your area and the farmers that are here. So you can learn so much just by coming to the farmer's market regularly. You'll get in touch with what is growing in season pretty quickly. You'll figure it out. And a lot of the good tip is that farmers, especially small farmers, are using their own produce to feed themselves and they know what to do with it in terms right. of how to cook it. Because I, once again, kohlrabi. The first time I was given a kohlrabi by Angie, I was like, what do I do with this? And how do I cook it? What is it? Is it like, is it a carrot? Is it a turnip? Like, is it a radish? What, what do I, do I eat it raw? And so there is a little bit barrier to entry in those kind of things, but that's part of what's fun. And what I have found is that someone else has tried it. If, mm -hmm. Including if you think that you can make spaghetti squash pie, some idiot out there, Savannah and I have tried it and can tell you. I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, so as people learn more about what is in season in their area, it really helps those farmers because other people come to start looking for it. So like Texas watermelon is a pretty good example of something that's been really successful because people know Texas watermelon is delicious. I mean, you can go outside of the state and still see Texas watermelon being sold all over the place. And we have in the Southern portions of Texas, we have really good climate for watermelon for a very long season. You can definitely get watermelons um, from East Texas uh, for a long time too, but really South Texas has that growing season that is a lot longer than a lot of other areas. So yeah, as we support our local produce, it becomes um, more successful for our farmers and ranchers and we get to celebrate that. And so- And we get to celebrate like unique local varieties too because people in Texas love yellow watermelon. Yeah, we love yellow meat watermelon in a way that I feel like really Texas doesn't have a lot of um, like, I mean, we have a lot of pride about a lot of things, but like a defining produce, probably not our thing, but we do have an undying love of yellow meat watermelon in the form of that pretty much if it's not red, we think it's better. Orange, you know, <laughs> anything different, anything is different we're excited about. Yeah, so I mean, if you're interested though in trying some of these seasonal products, I mean, there are definitely ways that you can bring seasonal produce into your uh, into your world, you know, yeah. by going to the farmers market, um, picking out items that you haven't seen before or that seem to be really abundant and in season. Then you know, pick those out and try new recipes. Um, ask the farmers uh, for their recipes. Um, and then, yeah, the things that are seasonal favorites really are the things that tend to grow better, just like those watermelons. Um, good tomatoes. Yeah, like, good yeah. tomatoes. Those are the things that are in season and they tend to grow better. So you could try to grow it yourself. Like this year, Meg and I, for the first time, grew some watermelons and tomatoes. And so those are seasonal favorites, but they're also things that actually grow pretty well here. And with like varying success in the sense that we tried on those, we tried on those tomatoes. We tried really hard. And we had some good ones. We had some good ones and our purple Cherokees just nothing happened. But True. our watermelon, 
I gotta say, we didn't try it all. We put those things in the ground and we just let them go and we got good watermelon out of it. So yes. we can be proud of ourselves for that. Yes, if there's something that you notice to be really abundant, squash, okra, cucumbers, that is because they grow really well. So just go ahead and stick them in the ground and they're gonna be fine. If you live in Dallas or the surrounding area, I'm telling you, you can grow okra, cucumbers, and squash. If we can do it, anyone can. Yeah, yeah. Um, but hey, if you are not willing or do not have the area to grow pr produce, which I totally get that, then you can go visit a local U-Pick farm. Now that's something that's really fun to do. There are a lot of farms in the area where you can go out for the day and pick your own produce. So, I mean, that can be a really rewarding experience where um, if you have kids with you, you guys can go um, see how your produce is grown, talk to a local farmer and just get out and um, see where your food's coming from. Yeah, I think that's a really popular option, especially when you talk about seasonal, um, things like strawberries. Like mm -hmm. part of the benefit for a farmer of a U-Pick operation is it is difficult to have the manpower to get all of those strawberries and in the ripeness, uh, package them and sell it. Like it's just a very difficult process, but for people who think it's a fun novelty to go out for a day and do it, and then they're putting in their own labor and reaping the benefits of their own rewards by eating their strawberries, it's just a win-win for everybody. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, enjoy the seasonal produce, um, try some new recipes and come ask us what's in season. And oh, definitely check out our recipes because we put out seasonal recipes all the time. So check them out. Um, you can even watch our videos about how to make a lot of these things. Or send us your favorite seasonal recipe. That's a good idea. Yeah, if you guys want to send us recipes, we'll try and make it. We will. You can email us. We have an email at info at dallasfarmersmarket.org. But remember, uh, we have no bananas. We have no bananas. You've been listening to Rooted, the Dallas Farmers Market podcast. Thank you for your continued support of our local farms and ranches. And thank you to Seth Campbell for writing our amazing theme music. You can find our show notes and more resources at dallasfarmersmarket.org. We will see you at the market. <laughs>